listening to Fox Sports Radio. 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 Living the dream once again on a fabulous Saturday. This is Fox Sports Saturday. Hartman and Ormberger with you. And, well, I say it's a dream Saturday. I'm not sure if this is a dream Saturday for Rich Ormberger. Now, Rich and I do a Monday through Friday show. We also do our national show Sundays here on Fox Sports Radio. But Jeff Schwartz uh, taking the day off today, meaning you're in the midst of a uh, of run of 12 consecutive days on air with yours truly, Rich. So when I say not two, not another three, exciting not day, four, yeah, not five, yeah, it <laughs> goes on. Um, yeah. So how are you feeling about that today? Well, you know, I'm hunkering down. You yeah. know, I'm yeah. uh, I, I'm I'm doing what I think a lot of baseball fans were doing prior to this week, which is getting ready for that cold, dark night. <laughs> Uh, because there is no daylight in 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 the distance, we we really are kind of locked uh, locked to each other here for the next uh, full week, a full seven day week. We'll see what 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 I'm like by Saturday. Um, but yeah, yeah, I'm going to uh, I'll I'll get through it. I think <laughs> uh, twelve straight days. Well, the good news is we got so many things to talk about. John Paul Morosi is going to be joining us in our next segment here. Uh, the latest on Major League Baseball, just literally a flip of the switch. Like one yeah. hour we were doing a morning show in which the day before they had broken off talks again. No sign of any talks scheduled. We were saying, hey, we'll see you May first. And two hours later, baseball's back on. So we're going to get a full report from John Paul Morosi coming up here uh, shortly. Also, tomorrow, Rich, of course, is Selection Sunday, March Madness. We got a lot of conference tournaments, finals going on today, semifinals. Uh, it is a very exciting time indeed. And, and really our first legitimate, at least traditionally legitimate NCAA basketball tournament we've had in three years. That's Two right. years, of course, was canceled. Last year we had the entire tournament, big bubble situation in Indianapolis with no fans. Uh, but this year we're going to have all the regionals and everything else. And just based on what I'm seeing in these conference tournaments right now, you can see teams are peaking at the right time. A lot of these schools really had to sort of nurse certain players down the stretch because they were backloaded with games uh, from suspended games back in December and in January with the Omicron uh, variants uh, sweeping the country. So you, you feel like the coaches that understand best on how to get their players rested, get through these conference tournaments, are going to be the best prepared once the big show begins next week. Yeah, you know, keep a lookout for teams that had an easier path in their their conference tournament. And there's not too many of them, but any team who, you know, even if it was uh, a semifinal game, a a quarterfinal game, uh, blew out their opponent and got their starters some rest, it it really is, it's a war of attrition this season, like you said, with postponements all over the place, makeup games being played at the end of the regular season, and still trying to fit in as many of these conference matchups as the these conferences could because they survive off of all this TV money as they possibly could leading into the conference tournaments. Not a lot of fresh legs around college basketball right now. So I'm with you, Steve. I think this is going to be a really interesting March Madness because I think we could see some some losses, some of these uh, you know some of these early Cinderella stories beginning uh, in the uh, in the early round of this tournament. I can't wait. Uh, I know Iowa Sam's very excited right now. Iowa, their win over Indiana, has moved on to the Big Ten championship game. Iowa 
Iowa will play the winner of the Purdue-Michigan State game, uh, which is going on right now. Purdue with a 15-13 lead against a Spartan team led by a coach that knows how to navigate a tournament as good as any. Tom Izzo, are you feeling confident, Sam, that your Hawkeyes could be on their way to a Big Ten championship? Wow. I'm still coming down. This is the farthest that uh, Iowa coach Fran McCaffrey has gone into the Big Ten tournament, so hopefully that bodes well for the NCAA tournament. Um, Michigan State, you know, Iowa waxed them pretty good a few weeks ago, but I would not expect that same result if they were to face Michigan State in the final. Purdue, they swept Iowa. They're a matchup nightmare, so it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough to get that crown. Also, uh, Kentucky's playing Tennessee right now. Tennessee uh, ranked ninth in the country. Kentucky at number five in the country. Tennessee's leading this game early, 18-11. But Kentucky has a shot, Rich, at making a number one seed. Right now they're on the two-line. But you get a sense this is the semifinal against Tennessee. If they could win the SEC tournament, Kentucky, Coach Calipari could find themselves uh, in that one seed. And seeds do matter in terms of the tournament because, as we've seen over the years, it's about matchups, right? And you get an upset here or a few things happen along the way, and all of a sudden you're looking at an easier path to uh, to get to where you want to be, and that's, uh, of course, uh, to the Final Four. Uh, so Kentucky with a shot today, uh, yep. if they move on to the SEC Championship, win the SEC Tournament, uh, they could be a number one seat. Yeah, and they're battling it out with a nine seed in their conference right now. The Volunteers are on fire from three-point land, making 50% of their eight shots. Uh, it's freezing cold on the other side of the cart, uh, court for the Cats. They've hit zero out of their six tries, so that's the reason for the 18-11 disparity here as the first half is winding down. I love this time of year. I love this time of year. I, I mean, we got the players uh, down in Florida right now, which looked like... Like it could potentially be canceled due to the rain. Um, Ian Poulter was literally sprinting last night to get his round finished. Uh, he he putted almost for birdie on 18 in the pitch dark. Uh, so it's been exciting watching that. Selection Sunday tomorrow. We got the Masters somewhere in the very near future. The NFL offseason has been <laughs> popping off this entire week, and it doesn't look like it's going to slow down anytime soon. It's just hysterical. Area. And, oh, by the way, Major League Baseball's back, and we're going to see a full 162 season. Yeah, John Palmarosi will join us. We'll get into some baseball. By the way, the players today, no rain, but the wind is howling yeah. down at TPC Sawgrass. I just saw Morikawa in 17 put it right into the water. Uh, the ball just went sideways um, when he hit the ball. So uh, the, this has been rough. I mean, today should be round three of the players, and they are trying to get through round two today uh, of the players, all the rain they've had the last couple of days. So like you said, there's a lot of things going on. I do want to jump on one quick NFL deal today, and that was Amari Cooper uh, ends up uh, leaving the Cowboys right now, and he's heading to the Cleveland Browns. Not much of a trade. Now, remember, the rumors were the Cowboys were going to flat-out release Amari Cooper as they try to unload some of their big salaries thanks to that uh, huge salary they gave Zeke Elliott. Uh, But essentially, it was a swap of six-round picks. I guess they get a fifth-round pick from Amari Cooper. Wouldn't wouldn't you think maybe you get a little bit more? I got to believe there were other teams interested in Amari Cooper, but I also hear a lot of people saying Amari Cooper is one of the most overrated receivers in the NFL. So uh, if motivated, what kind of impact is he going to have on the Cleveland Browns? If motivated, 
did an extreme impact because that's what we saw when he first landed in Dallas, yep. right? Mark Cooper, uh, fresh off of that um, disastrous uh, uh, showing with the new coaching staff in Oakland, gets shipped off to the Dallas Cowboys, and he puts in Pro Bowl work over his first two seasons there. I mean, really impressive uh, couple of years there for Amari Cooper. Gets the big payday. Uh, Jerry Jones likes to reward his players, the guys who win for him and play well for him. And so he gets the big payday. And uh, and to be perfectly honest with you, that's when it went downhill. Um, you know, look, Dak Prescott obviously got hurt a year ago, so you can't really judge him being thrown to by the likes of Cooper Rush and Andy Dalton. But then Dak comes back, and within, I don't know, eight weeks of the season, I think it was, he wasn't getting as many targets, even though the Cowboys were winning football games and they were doing well in their division especially. He started complaining. He went on a radio station down there in Dallas, uh, a place where he does weekly radio interviews, and he said, look, I'm, I, I don't think I'm being targeted enough in the red zone. Uh, you know, I, I think we could be more explosive offensively. These are the sort of signs that the relationship may be souring. And if you're looking to free up some cap room before the deadline, like the Dallas Cowboys clearly are, it may have been a move, a best move for their future to improve their six-round draft pick, grab a fifth-round draft pick from the Cleveland Browns, and ship them out. C.D. Lamb, of course, now the number one receiver for the Cowboys. What they got to hope, of course, is Michael Gallup, who they're hoping to sign to a multi-year deal. Of course, he had a torn ECL in his left knee in the last game of the regular season, or actually next to last week 17, had surgery uh, last month, but somehow amazingly, and he torn ACL. Oh, he'll be fine in September. Uh, okay, uh, so they're trying to sign Michael Gallup to a long-term deal. But, you know, we're, we're going to get into a lot of this right now as teams are trying to clear cap space. We're going to get into the the Sean Watson sweepstakes now that he will not be uh, held on any criminal charges uh, related to all those accusations by the many women. So it's officially open right now, the sweepstakes, to get uh, one uh, amazing quarterback. Uh, once he gets back on the field, that would be Deshaun Watson. All right, on the other side, Major League Baseball is back. Now what? Uh, they're already in spring training. They're getting things ready for the start of the season. How did this all come down? What happened that literally in less than an hour, we went from no baseball to baseball back being on? John Paul Morosi will join us coming up next. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Mike check. Mike check. Do you want exclusive insight from the biggest names in the sports game? What's good? This is national champion and former pro baller Chris Johnson. And let me tell you a little bit about my new series, KJ Live. KJ Live is the only show featuring me going one-on-one with the brightest basketball minds on the planet to get the real. And when I say real, I mean that real. I got legendary Hall of Famers, elite coaches, and the top basketball insiders bringing you a unique perspective on all things hoops culture that you will not find anywhere else. To make your next move your best move. And tap in with me on KJ Live wherever get your podcast from. Steve Harbin, Rich Ornberger. This is Fox Sports Saturday. If cold candidate calls aren't turning into hot hiring leads, 
then you need Indeed because Indeed's powerful hiring platform makes it easy to attract screen and interview candidates all from one place. Find your next great hire visiting Indeed.com slash credit. All right, Major League Baseball is back. And to put this whole thing in perspective, joining us right now, of course, with the MLB Network. He's also NHL Network. The world knows him as John Morosi, not us. He's John Paul Morosi. He is JP, and he's joining us once again. JP, how are you today? Outstanding, my friends. We've got baseball back. We've got free agent drama. We've got spring training games starting in a few days. I'm in a good mood, my friend. All right, so let's go back to the day this all came down. So Rich and I are doing our morning show. Uh, we had a writer from ESPN on at about 7.30 West Coast time. And we're just talking about the day before when they broke off talks again. And my last question to him was, are we going to see Major League Baseball before May 1st? Uh, And his answer was uh, a definitive not likely. And then literally two hours later, (laughs) boom, Major League Baseball was back. So how did this all go down, J.P.? Well, it's a great question, and certainly there was a lot of drama. And, and I, I go back to Wednesday evening when, when the press release was sent out indicating that, that another week of games had been removed from the schedule. Uh, at that point, there, there was no real movement. MLB had not received a, a counterproposal or, or response from the union in a timely fashion to their most recent proposal, and so the commissioner sent out the press release. But ironically, not long after that release went out, the union got back to, the, to MLB and said, hey, wait a minute, there are some things here with your proposal that we can work with. And sure enough, once they started working on it, uh, they got to a better place with it pretty quickly. So uh, I, I really admire the, the way that both sides handled things uh, during the, the course of the last week because the sport really was teetering on the brink of a pretty disastrous outcome there. And it took some time and some creativity and some collaboration, some humility to make this work. And so now we have this new beginning where certainly neither side got every Everything they wanted, but they got a lot of what they wanted. And I think from baseball's perspective, uh, they were able to get a five-year agreement. They were able to at least have some degree of, of control over whether or not we're going to have an international draft versus the qualifying offer going forward. And then the union gets tremendous increases with minimum salary, the, the creation of the pre-arbitration bonus pool, the luxury tax thresholds moved up a, a lot. So I think in a lot of ways it was a win-win for both sides, and certainly for the fans first and foremost, who now get a chance to think about spring training games and avoid that doomsday scenario that we had uh, been so fearful of uh, not very long ago. You know, JP, I got two little kids, and oftentimes we have the discussion, he started it. Well, you know, you retaliated, and then, you know, everybody's dug in on their sides, and you have to play mediator a little bit, and there was a little bit of that going on here for months between the Major League owners, who started it, but the Mm -hmm. Major League Baseball Players Association, they really dug their heels in. And I I don't know when or who or how, but there was a wind shift somewhere. Did it happen in Florida? Was it more recently? Who who was the cool head that helped organize this thing and get them out of this mess? Because this would have been disastrous for the sport. 
No, Rich, you're right. And actually, I, I think we do have to, to go back and, and credit the, the commissioner. Reportedly, he was the one who, who had tied together this notion of removing the qualifying offer if the union agrees to the international draft, but that that wouldn't happen right away. And You put in this mechanism to, to work with it where you can decide now later on in the calendar year on something that would not even transpire until the future, 2024 or later. I think that was uh, an idea the commissioner put forward, and then eventually the union was able to work with that. I also think the union did a really good job of, of creatively proposing, uh, and Tony Clark's group and, and Bruce Meyer, the, the possibility of the, the draft lottery helps in a huge way. It, it really, to me, it, it disincentivizes losing which uh, losing had been, unfortunately, a a winning strategy, ironically enough, to get the draft picks that you wanted and then build your team back up. But uh, now I think we're seeing that it's just simply not competitive and not good for the game when teams go down to the bare bones and, and, and are in a deep rebuild for a long period of time. Yeah, you get high draft picks, but competitively it hurts the sport. And now I think the union, the way they handled that by proposing the notion that you cannot pick in the top six in the lottery in, in consecutive years if you're a large market team or in three straight years if you're a small market team, that is going to incentivize more and more spending going forward. So I really, really think that was a very clever way to handle things, and I thought that in general it set a, a pretty good competitive mindset and environment for, for the teams to now go forward. So I, I think it was a couple really clever uh, proposals there on either side that got the process going. And I think ultimately we're going to remember this this vote for being very unique and that the executive subcommittee all voted against it, 8-0 against it, but then 26 of the 30 teams voted for it among the, the membership of the, of the players. I think that just says that, that the rank and file of, of players looked at it. Of course, many of them are earning the minimum or something close to it. They said, listen, this is a good deal for us. Seven hundred grand is, is good money to make for, for a major league minimum, so let's make sure that we get back to work, start earning salaries again. They missed, of course, half the year back in 2020. I, I just think that the sport in general, guys, wants to get back to work and saw this as an agreement that allows them to do that. Now, JP, last night on Los Angeles TV, I said your name repeatedly last night. Reports of the Dodgers and Freddie Freeman. I was all over this yesterday. Morosi, Morosi, Morosi. All right, so give us an update right now because obviously we got Correa. There's a lot of big-time free agents that are going to be finding new homes here over the next several weeks. But what's the latest on Freddie Freeman? So, great question, and really, I think he is the, the major domino that we're still waiting to have fall uh, today, and, and uh, I, I think that last night I had been told the Dodgers were working heavily with his, uh, his team uh, on a contract. I, I, don't, I don't think, I didn't think last night that it was done, but that they were certainly talking heavily, and I, I really believe, Steve, that as of yesterday, the Dodgers were the team that, were, that had been most serious. And now it's a question of whether or not the Braves are going to match it and if they're going to get up to that same level and and bring him back home because if they don't, then you might see this incredible scenario where Freddie Freeman just led the Braves to the World Series title and then leaves. Now, it's not the same exact story as Pujols with 
the Cardinals 10 years ago, but it has that feel to it where it's so hard to imagine him not wearing that uniform. And yet, of course, he did grow up in Southern California with the DH being in the NL. He really fits that team well. It gives you some insurance for Muncie. He could play first base. He could DH. You could put Muncie at third. He could DH Turner. It just makes the Dodger lineup scary and better and deeper. And so for me, there's just a lot of different ideas there that make a lot of sense. I, I do still think the Braves are involved. I saw John Heyman's report today that the Yankees might still be involved, but I really believe that at the end of the day, he is going to be either a Brave or a Dodger. The Dodgers working hard last night, and, and the longer it goes, I would say, Steve, it does make me wonder if the Braves are finally moving upward with their offers and trying to, to bring them back. Uh, obviously, that they, they don't want to lose them. The fan reaction to that would be vicious, I'm sure, but uh, they, they do have a pretty firm line in the sand of what they're comfortable offering them, and there's no question, guys, that this next uh, bit of the, the off season, which is really the season itself, because everybody's got a report by tomorrow uh, the, in this compressed spring training, uh, the, the next big domino to fall has to be Freddie Freeman. He is, he is the one that we're all talking about right now. Probably Carlos Correa is going to be a little bit later uh, than Freeman. Yeah, you know, we got those those free agents who are still floating out there. They, you know, look, I, I, I know how sometimes these things can take some time, but we were expecting a free agent signing frenzy on the other side of the lockout ending. And we've seen some things, you know, Giants got a pitcher and the Dodgers re-signed Kershaw and there's news about potentially Freeman to the to the L.A. market, but nothing's really happened yet. Do you, do you think this, this is truly because agents and players and ownership and executives were respecting the rules of the lockout and not engaging in contract talks, and it's just going to take a few more days to hammer out details? Yeah, Rich, I really believe they were. And and to me, I, I, I think that's good for the game, that, that people were respecting that that quiet period and, and the lockout itself. And when you think about it, and I certainly was not covering lockouts back in the 1990s because I, I wasn't yet uh, a professional journalist back then, but I, I, I think probably back then – it would have been a little bit easier to, to not follow the rules. There's not quite as many uh, paper trails of, of a text message or whatever it might have been that, that we have now. And I really think that when you look at the possibility of getting a suspension or fine, whatever it would have been, it just wasn't worth it. And I think that the executives really and truly follow the rules on this and, and were not uh, working around the rules to, to get things in place. So we did not see uh, the whole torrent of, of moves. We, we did see a lot of conversations in the last – couple days, and I think teams, we saw certainly um, the, the Blue Jays, the reports today of, of their agreement with Yusei Kikuchi, that's a big deal for them. They, they needed some more pitching there. Uh, I think the Seattle Mariners, I believe, are going to be very active, and Chris Bryant is someone that I think makes a ton of sense there in Seattle. So it's going to be really interesting to watch this unfold here in the days ahead, but I, I really think, Rich, to your point, they were being careful, they were abiding by the rules, which is why I think tonight, probably, and tomorrow, and maybe maybe into the early part of the week, is going to be really busy, because uh, spring training games start on Thursday. And if you want to, if you're going to sign a Freddie Freeman, or a Carlos Correa, Trevor Story, Anthony Rizzo, Michael Conforto, Kyle Schwarber, there's a lot of guys still out there. Um, if you're going to sign somebody like that, I think you want to have him in your clubhouse as soon as possible. Get him around your players, get him around your leader group from the team and, and really have that comfort level there. So I think it's going to be a really interesting uh, few days ahead here as, as these teams uh, begin to probably 
get some deadlines in front of these free agents and say, okay, here's the offer. What do you have? And I think you know someone like Nick, Nick Castellanos makes a lot of sense too. You know, Nick is someone that's really emerged as a hitter in a lot of the last couple of years, and I think he would be a tremendous player for a number of different different teams. So stay tuned, guys. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch this unfold. Yeah, don't forget the Suzuki sweepstakes as well. A lot of that's people right. after him. Yeah, Suzuki baby. He's coming over. Suzuki. I mean, he's a big time player as well. Oh, it's just great to talk some baseball with you, JP. We appreciate the time as always. Stephen Rich, I can't wait to begin and resume our weekend routines, my friends. Baseball season is on. I look forward to talking to you guys every weekend, and I can't wait to make that happen during the course of the 2022 season as well. We will do that. The MLB Network's the great John Paul Morosi. JP, thank you so much. All right, good stuff there. Oh, all right. Uh, Let's find out what's trending right now. Look who's in the house. Yes. Aloha. Hello, Ralphie. How are you? <laughs> I'm just swell. Ralph Urban in, yes. in the house these days, keeping his eye on windy day down there in Florida with the players, oh, March Madness going on. and Too much. Too much, Ralph. Yeah, there's there's a lot of water in play in Florida, Oof. especially more today. Uh, it's, it's not looking. Let's put it this way. There's two players in the top part of the leaderboard that are on the course today. The only people that are under par basically aren't playing because it's so brutal. Wow. Uh, 17 is almost unplayable. People are joking. Players should be trying to lay up to the drop area <laughs> and save a stroke. Uh, we saw Morikawa hit one, and it yep. just literally flew sideways. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't even close. Players are taking off their hats to hit the shot because the wind's blowing so hard. And you played that course, Rob. You yeah. say that, you know, we look at that island on TV and you see it's actually huge. It's a very big green. Yeah. But the wind swirls there. Yeah. And part of what's made it tough is by this time of year, it's a very windy time. It was designed to play with that wind. It's supposed to be hard well, that way. And, and, and even though you say it's huge, you forget that the greens are pitched and they're safe places to put the, the golf ball and right. there's other places that are not and and you throw in the element of the wind well, that, I mean, that is the element on that green I mean, that, no that is just one of the most difficult holes to play but the most fun to watch because this tournament really embodies this the whole way through this weekend especially where you could have PGA pros kind of look like us double digit amateur you know handicap hacks that uh, that go out there and try to pretend like like we could do it too it's definitely been a struggle, the early goings for the, the players out there. Well, people have complained about the weather and saying, well, they should move it back to May. Well, when it was in May, they just attacked the course because the yeah. conditions are a lot easier. That's why this tournament's played in March is so that it's a, it's a difficult environment because that's the way it plays there. By the way, did you see Zach Johnson's practice swing? He did it again. Yes, yes. Hit it off the toe. Unbelievable. So he's on 18, Rich, and he's doing a practice swing on 18. You know, got the water yeah. all down the side. And his practice swing actually hit the ball, went sideways. It, like, hit oh. the very tip oh. of the club and went sideways. Is the that, toe of the club. Is, that, he, is yeah. he laying three? What's no, the deal No, he, he re-tees because he wasn't addressing the ball and he wasn't taking a stroke. Yeah, incidental oh, yeah. On the tee, on the tee, yeah. it's incidental and you get to re-tee. <laughs> it's unbelievable. I'm watching the replay. It's crazy. Now, we do go to where there's actual game action going on in college basketball, although they're at the half in the SEC. That's where number nine, Tennessee, leads number five, Kentucky, 33-22. That's a semifinal. The winner of that matchup will take on Texas A&M, who took out number 15, Arkansas, earlier in the Big Ten, number nine, Purdue. 
a halftime lead, 27-20 over Michigan State. The winner of that contest will take on number 24, Iowa, who beat Indiana earlier. Now, number 18, Houston, a 59-41 lead over Tulane. That is with 9.43 to play in the second half, a semifinal of the American Conference Tournament. And the MAC Championship is underway. That's right, the Metro Atlantic Athletic Association. And right now, St. Peter's is 17-14 lead over Monmouth. 7.33 to play in the first half of that contest. LSU doesn't have to worry about who's going to be coaching in the NCAA tournament because they made that decision. It will not be Will Wade. He was fired today after the school received notice of allegations of multiple level one violations within the football and basketball programs. Five of those allegations directly implicating Wade, which means he's fired with cause, won't get any buyout in that contract. Dallas Cowboys sent Amari Cooper in a six-round pick to Cleveland for the Browns' fifth and sixth-round picks this year. Now we send it back. It is Steve Hartman, Rich Ornberger on a Saturday on Fox Sports Radio. All right, well, Ralph, thank you very much. Uh, quick follow-up on our conversation with John Paul Morosi. Uh, Rich, you and I have been talking about this the last couple of days. A lot of rules changes, you know, in, in Major League Baseball, and we've been on – opposite sides of the fence on a couple of these things. Um, first of all, the designated hitter will be universal immediately starting in 2022. Are you going to miss pitchers hitting? Is that something you're going to miss at all? <laughs> no, no, okay. no. Yeah. Although I will say this, and this is, this is true. When you talk to baseball players, especially um, pitchers, typically, you know, if you go down to high school, especially not college, most of the time, but high school, uh, pitchers are usually your best athletes. Like typically your pitcher can really hit, like hit the ball as well. And so a lot of baseball players hate this because a lot of the talented baseball players, at least at one point in their life or another, um, were pitchers. And so they kind of hate the idea, but I do think that older players in the league, players who have transitioned into the media, uh, and players who have a better understanding of what's best for the sport uh, uh, understand that seeing a pitcher get his knees buckled by some off-speed stuff every ninth batter is not what's good for this game. What's good for the game is balls in play, uh, home runs, you know, uh, walks, strikeouts stink. We all hate them, but it's going to be a part of this game no matter what, and more so now than ever before because there's less of, uh, I don't know, a stigma against it. But, but yeah, I'm in favor of it. I think the DH is going to be good. I think that while it's a quirky thing that was unique to baseball, having different leagues do different things, I think the universal DH overall is going to address some of the problems with the pace of play in baseball. A couple of things are going to happen in 2023. Now, these are big time. Pitch clocks are in in for Major League Baseball in 2023. The proposal is you got 14 seconds to deliver a pitch with the bases empty, 19 seconds when runners are on base. So that's one deal. Banning on the defensive shifts. Uh, and this was something that was a long time coming. It was, you talk about taking offenses away, creating some kind of interest, you know, with just general runners on base instead of everyone just trying to hit for a home run, which is one way to beat a shift, obviously, is hit the ball over the fence. Uh, but they're going to do away with the defensive shifts. Also, did you see this about an automatic ball strike zone? Yeah, a robot umpires uh, potentially for the 2022. 
23 20, season. 20, 23 season. Yeah. Where they were rejected, though. Uh, uh, initially, those those that that thought process was uh, rejected, but I think the likelihood of it being potentially back on the table in 2023 is possible because again now now you're you're stating this as if, if it's already done that's not true well it, i'm reading it right now this is again they still have a window in which they can have a discussion on these things but the proposal for 2023 is the pitch clocks the ban on defensive shifts the automatic right. uh ball strike zone and also larger bases like physically larger bases uh will all be discussed as far as rules changes at the earliest can be implemented right. in, in 2023 they also have to give 45 days grace before they initiate these changes. So I don't know if that means in the offseason they can start the clock on the 45 days and then sit down with representatives from the player side and hammer out exactly what it would all look like or how that part of it works. But yeah, what you're saying is true from the standpoint that in 2023 we could potentially see all those things. And, you know, from from my perspective – and, and I'm pretty sure I know how you feel about a lot of these issues. I think all of those changes make baseball better. I think that with larger bases, it makes it safer, especially those plays at first where we see ankles get rolled up on because you have a first baseman stretching out and a, a hitter, you know, running down the base path, trying to run through the bag. And sometimes there's, you know, contact made at first base. I think that it's going to shorten the distance for stolen bases and that crease increases action on the base paths. Um, and also from a standpoint of balls and strikes, how Major League Baseball hasn't uh, at very least dabbled with this in real time is beyond me because th some of the biggest, most important games down the stretch of the regular season into the postseason have been essentially blown by home plate umpires. You have certain guys who, and, and I know it's a tough job, not trying to blow anybody up by name because there's there's a few out there who are really particularly bad behind the plate, but there are certain guys who I, I don't know how they still do the job, frankly, given how many poor circumstances have arose while they've been manning home plate and calling balls and strikes. All right. On the other side, uh, well, we got a lot of football news to get to over the course of today. A lot of NFL news, including the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes are on. Ultimately, where is he going to end up? We'll try to figure it out. Coming up next. Steve Iron, Rich Ornberger, Fox Sports Saturday, brought to you by one of our favorite cities, Las Vegas, the greatest arena on earth. Every game, match, race, and competition, it is always on. Whoever you root for, whatever sports you love to watch, biggest games are even bigger in Vegas. So make sure to plan your trip today and visit lasvegas.com. And speaking of, this April 28th through the 30th, Vegas will be hosting the 2022 draft, an event that will be unlike any other with unparalleled energy and excitement that only the greatest arena on earth can deliver. Now, the best part is now through tomorrow, March 13th, we're giving away a trip for two to be part of the energy and excitement. That's right. You and a lucky person of your choosing can win a trip to Vegas during draft weekend, April 28th through the 30th, sponsored by the Las Vegas Convention and Visitors Authority. The prize package includes round-trip airfare to Vegas, a hotel stay on the Strip, access to Fox Sports Radio's draft broadcast, and much more. To enter and get rules, visit 
FoxSportsRadio.com. That's FoxSportsRadio.com to win a trip to Vegas during draft weekend. All right, we're going to have plenty to talk about down the road with that, uh, Rich. But right now, we have Deshaun Watson, no criminal charges levied against him. The grand jury said no to all of them, which means this. He is back in the NFL. We know the NFL is most likely going to suspend him at some point. I'm not sure how many games he's going to be suspended, but it would seem like that is looming. But it does seem that, indeed, Deshaun Watson is going to resume his NFL career. So we're hearing, I don't know, I don't. it's like eight or nine teams are interested in Deshaun Watson. Obviously, uh, there's a big push that Carolina is trying to put a big package together. Uh, Philadelphia, remember, has three number one picks this year. So how do you think this is all going to play out uh, as far as the sweepstakes for Deshaun Watson? Well, it's going to play out um, wherever Deshaun wants to go because he has the no-trade clause, and the Houston Texans know that. So Nick Casario, their acting general manager, needs to be very careful how he frames this whole discovery phase for Deshaun Watson and what he's learning about these teams and how much interaction the Houston Texans have with the front offices of those teams until he essentially makes the decision because he holds all the cards here. He holds all the leverage. The Houston Texans uh, paid him throughout the entire year where he sat out. I don't know if that granted any, um, you know, uh, any good goodwill uh, toward, you know, the Watson camp. I mean, obviously this felt like it was mutually beneficial. Watson staying off the field as he sorted through a myriad of civil cases and criminal complaints against him. Uh, The Houston Texans obviously didn't have to go through the process of answering questions about all of that. So maybe this was mutually beneficial. But I'm very curious to see how how Deshaun Watson holds the Cleveland Browns feet to the – or not the Cleveland Browns, the Houston Texans feet to the fire – as more teams are emerging. You mentioned Philadelphia, they got a ton of trade capital, but the Browns are a brand new team that is involved in talks. The Buccaneers apparently would be interested. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Um, what, What would be best for Deshaun, let's be honest, though, is that he gets traded to a team for as little capital as possible so that they can build around him. Because if they spend, for example, the Philadelphia Eagles, if if they fire all the shots in their chamber and they don't have any first-rounders to help surround him with talent, they're going to be waiting a little while. Or the Cleveland Browns or whoever gets him, uh, they're going to be the Seattle Seahawks. They're going to be waiting a little while before they can start building around uh, Deshaun Watson, who's young quarterback. So I'm very curious to see how this plays out, but essentially it's Deshaun's choice. There's a couple other things here. Now, no criminal charges that came back from the grand jury, but he's still facing those civil cases. Yeah. And there is some speculation that whatever penalties that the NFL is going to levy against him in terms of a suspension, that they may actually wait to see the outcome of some of these civil cases. And if that were to be the case, he may not suit up in 2022. It may be 2023 before he actually suits up. So if that were the case, 
You're still <sighs> running a little bit blind right now in making a deal. Now, look, he's young enough that it shouldn't matter. He's got, uh, assuming that he's healthy and ready to go, he's got a decade of uh, playing career ahead of him. But that's something else to keep in mind, plus a restructuring of his deal. He's guaranteed $35 million in base salary in 2022. If you want to restructure the deal, if I'm Deshaun Watson, with the uncertainty of maybe suspended in 2022 for part or all of the season, I want some money up front, right? Mm. Uh, So you can restructure the deal, give him some upfront money. There's a lot of ways to go about that. But these are all things to be considered. But I got to believe everybody's in play. Steelers, Buccaneers. Colts, Seahawks. I mean, there's a lot of teams that could be in play. I have serious doubts, though, that this is going to be a lengthy suspension. I just don't see that being the case. I really... Well, Ben Roethlisberger got uh, a six-game suspension that was reduced to four games uh, for the situation he had with the one woman. Yeah. Uh, But these are multiple women, so I I don't know how the NFL is going to deem this. I I get what you're saying, and it is obviously a cloud of suspicion around his uh, innocence. Because, look, even though even though you have a situation where he's cleared of criminal complaints and the DA isn't going to prosecute or press tar- charges, I should say, so that gets thrown away, that's, that, that doesn't prove factual innocence. It do, it, all it does is it proves that the legal system didn't feel like they had enough evidence to pursue official charges. So the, the burden of proof in civil court is way, way lower. But having said all of that, he could settle all of these 22 civil cases and they just go away. It's very possible. I'm sure he and his agent want to do that as quickly as possible. We got some March Madness coming up next. Rolling along here on Fox Sports Saturday, Hartman and Ornberger from the Fox Sports Radio Studios. And once again, we got all kinds of basketball action going on today and tomorrow. Rich, tomorrow we're basically taking you all the way up to about an hour before uh, the start of Selection Sunday. The field of 68 uh, will be revealed uh, tomorrow. Uh, by the way, a couple things here, Richie. I got to update you on a couple yeah, things. Yeah, what do you got? So, uh, yesterday, uh, driving up from San Diego to Los Angeles, my weekly haul. Um, I was driving on fumes. I was, you know, coming to the uh, end. I needed to get gas in the worst way. Uh, and I had to get off in Burbank. And I rolled into a gas station I've been to many times. Um, 6.49 a gallon for regular. Oh. 6.49 for regular. Yeah. Regular. Regular. Yeah. Six, six forty. And my little smart car, as you know. It only holds a little over six gallons, maybe I think seven gallons. Forty dollars. I mean, I remember I had never, I had never once spent twenty dollars ever to fill my tank, and it was forty dollars. Um, it's so funny hearing people complain about gas because it almost feels like that is that is a part of your day that you normally like it's never a story right. unless unless something crazy happened at the gas station like somebody drove away with the pump still in their gas tank or you got into a fist fight with somebody like when do we ever talk about trips to the gas station never but Don't now, think about it. You but, open up social media, Instagram. People oh. are just tweeting about it, and they're Instagramming about it. And I, I actually chided you for this uh, earlier this week because you came in mm. on Monday, all hot and bothered about this too. And I'm like, you know what? 
Steve Hartman's not allowed to complain about gas. I don't care if he has a smart car that only used to take 20 or 25 bucks to fill up in the very recent past because this is a man mm. who is bringing down like big time, big time <laughs> Hollywood paychecks. All right. Now I don't know if, hang on, hang on. <laughs> I don't know if anybody knows this, mm. but Steve Hartman is going to have a cameo in the hit new HBO miniseries, Winning Time, on the Showtime LA Lakers. He's going to be in at least two episodes, if not three. I got an update for you. Okay, give me the update. Okay, so you and I talked about St. Patrick's Day, which is day one of the full tournament. Thursday, the 17th. And we are thinking about, so what should we do? And uh, I was even inviting myself to the Ormberger house. That's right, that you were, day. yeah. Well, I got an update. Guess when I got a call in for my next uh, taping of Winning oh, Time? Oh, look at you. Yeah, so. Oh, I'm I, sorry. I'm so, I'm sorry. That's going to mean that you're going to have to get in the smart the car. Money they're going to pay me. I'm going to use up in the money to gas <laughs> you, to have you, to drive up you to actually put, record it. Put a little gas in the car and go and tape for Winning Time. Now, wait a second. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Now, we're going to do it at about 1 o'clock. It takes maybe half an hour to get everything taped. Then I got to be driving back. Yeah. I'm still inviting myself over for the late games. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I figure I'll be back at about five o'clock. You know, for the second set of games. By the way, uh, the I figured out the menu. Be going. Oh, you did. All right, what I figured we got? out the menu. So All check right. this out because yeah. uh, you know, I mean, and it, it was so obvious. It was sitting there right in front of us, and we just we completely ignored the fact it's going to be corned beef and cabbage and some Guinness wow. beer. Of course, uh. it is St. Patrick's Day. Yeah, yeah. Uh. We were said we we're like, oh, maybe brats. Yeah. Maybe we'll do. Uh, some barbecue. No, no, no. We're going to go the full ah. Monty, little corned beef cabbage, Woo. maybe some red potatoes, wow. get some onions in the crock pot. Mm. We'll pour ourselves some nice Guinness, maybe a Killian's Yummy. Irish Red. Wow. Maybe we'll break out the Baileys. We're going to get after it, my friend. Uh, how about you, uh, Sam? Danny, you guys got special. Uh, I mean, again, it's day one of the tournament. You got 16 games on St. Patrick's Day, eight in the morning, eight in the afternoon. Uh, are you guys playing anything special that day? Well, we don't have TV money like you, Steve. Oh. So we're going to try to invite ourselves over to Rich's yeah. place. There you over. go. Rich is, well, Rich is making Rich's money. house. Yeah, Rich's. We're all heading on over. The Guinness yeah. and everything else. That's a great idea. It is St. Patrick's Day, so you got to do it right. By the way, we're brought to you by one of our favorite cities, Las Vegas, the greatest arena on earth. Plan your trip today at visitlasvegas.com. You know, we, we get to the NCAA tournament. Of course, you have the first four games, and then you get to the meat of it, the final 64 starting on Thursday. And, and we've said this many times, Rich, you know, and this is this is well documented around the country. Nothing gets done on Thursdays and Fridays of the first week of the NCAA tournament. The whole country is staring at their brackets. Everyone dil- fills out a bracket. Whether you know anything about basketball or not, everyone fills out a bracket. And for those two days, right, because if you got a bad bracket, it's in the trash by the weekend. Maybe you hang on. But the majority of people are done early. But those two days, seriously, nobody should work. Right? No. I mean, there's, no. there is no. if I was running a business, I would just say, look, forget it. Thursday, Friday, days off. Stare at your brackets. Watch the basketball day long. Sixteen games on Thursday. Sixteen on Friday. Enough. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna pay you to be unproductive at work. So enjoy the brackets, and we'll see you on Monday. I completely agree with you. Like unless you have a job that is 
that is i mean it's circling around the the hubbub that is the uh the conference or i should say the the march madness the opening rounds of march madness uh you know a member of the media that covers the event or maybe you know some sort of retailer or restaurant owner where he needs his employees sure. to be on staff because they're going to benefit greatly oh. in the areas where these games are played i get it but outside of that like general corporate america kind of shuts down because it's not just it's not just look you know the guys and and you know like it used to be like a a guys club right you know march madness and the brackets and it's not anymore fantasy football march madness i i'm in a league um a, a bracket league on one of these um you know whether it's yahoo or cbs one of these deals right with my my neighbor who's a woman in her 60s, with my mom, who's a lady in her 60s as well. Uh, I'm in it with my wife, with um, a buddy's fiance. Like, I mean, we have, like, nobody works. It, does, it This crosses all gender lines. This crosses every race, racial barrier. This crosses every single person. I mean, it doesn't matter what you do, where you work, who you are, how old you are, you're paying attention to the opening rounds, especially of March. Madness. Yeah, the opening days, Thursday, Friday. All right, I, I want to take a poll here amongst the guys. Uh, how many guys here uh, do multiple brackets as opposed to a single bracket? Sam, are you a one bracket guy or you do multiples? I do uh, multiple, but it's never more than two. Never more than two. Because I, I like to have, I, yeah, I can't, can't do like five. You got to have one and then you have like your alternate where you're like, I'm going to change just a couple things. I do two brackets. Now, do you, do you purposely put Iowa... Beyond what expectations are, I mean, are you writing them to the final four? No. Or I have. Listen, uh, Fran McCaffrey at Iowa's never been past the round of thirty-two. I usually, I want to win the bracket. I pick as realistically as I as I think. But if they were to get to the final four and you didn't pick them, That'd how be, would that make? I'd you be feel? okay with that. You would be okay. I'm going to go with how far I think they'll mm. go. Which I think this year they could get to the Sweet Sixteen. How about you, Danny? What it, uh, what's your situation with brackets? One or multiple? No, I live and die by one bracket. I think it's a party foul to have multiple brackets. I only do one, and even if I post it elsewhere, you know, like when you do from, I always do one. Like I would freak out if I did a second bracket. Now UCLA is my school. Last year, of course, I I, I didn't even have them winning their first four game. I didn't even have them in the field of 64. I thought they're going to go down to Michigan State. Goodbye. See you later. And they end up in the final four. <laughs> Yeah, but you're still yeah. happy though. I mean, you're you're. Well, I was you're like thrilled. excited, obviously, like, uh, but I was like, why didn't I? Why, I had no foresight. No. You didn't I think am, that a first four in would be in a final four I, team. I I am a multiple bracket guy to the extent where I will fill out brackets where <laughs> I I don't oh. even realize what teams I picked sometimes. Yeah, and I, I'll get like an update from you know one of those email auto email servers. It's like, you know, you've gotten this many out of this many correct at the you know, I'm like, oh wow. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I. I mean, I fill them out everywhere. I fill them out on every web page. I mean, I'm pro. I'm. I'm fairly certain my annual bracket filling out is the reason for whatever malware ends up getting downloaded onto my computer. Because I, if you offer a bracket, I'll fill it out. It, it doesn't matter. And I'll, I, I think last year I had six going. None of them were particularly good, but uh, I just love it. I love the chaos of March Madness, and I love the randomness of it. I, you could be somebody who's doing it for your first time. 
and have never watched a college basketball game in your life, and you could have success. I, I think that's a really, really fun thing to be involved in, especially considering, you know, this time of year, conference tournaments, I pay close attention to what's happening, even though I know it doesn't matter what happens in the conference tournament. It almost bears nothing when you get to March Madness, but I still, I drive myself crazy trying to gather all the facts, and then I go and I fill out my bracket accordingly. It, it usually doesn't work. Later on today, Duke and Virginia Tech will play in the ACC championship game. This is the last rodeo for Coach K, the winningest coach in college basketball Division I history. But how does his number compare to that of Greg Popovich, who yesterday became the winningest coach in NBA history? What is the more impressive feat? We're going to break it down coming up next. Steve Harbin, Rich Orberger, Fox Sports Saturday. All right, we got a lot of basketball going on, obviously, in the month of March. Yesterday, Greg Popovich passed Don Nelson as the winningest coach in NBA history, regular season games. Uh, interesting here, Don Nelson was the winningest coach in NBA history and never once took a team even to the NBA Finals, much less win a championship. And yet he was the winningest coach in terms of victories of any coach in history until Greg Popovich, of course, a five-time NBA champion, uh, he passed it. It's an interesting parallel between Popovich and Krzyzewski for a number of reasons here, Rich. First of all, they've both been our national coaches for Team USA. Um, they both won five championships over the course of their coaching careers. And now Popovich is the all-time winningest NBA coach. And, of course, Coach K is the all-time winningest Division I coach in basketball history. So when you when you talk about a college coach versus a pro coach in the world of basketball, what is more impressive for you? The resume of Greg Popovich at with the San Antonio Spurs or the resume of Coach K at Duke? It's a great question. Um, which resume am I more impressed with? I'm always more impressed with, even though Duke has has now uh, changed their philosophy around one-and-done players, I'm always more impressed with college football coaches because more development needs to take place uh, when when you're dealing with athletes that young and unexposed to – the college basketball ranks and the game and the physicality and there's a lot of growing pains and and coach k has done a great job developing talent uh he really was one of the last holdouts of uh, before turning to the one and done methodology that has swept through college basketball and i think it's because he's a talented developer of of uh of basketball it's 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 a, it's that simple i you know nick saban i i give him more credit than i even give bill belichick now i don't I don't say that he has a better resume than Bill Belichick. He's definitely a more accomplished coach, Bill Belichick is. But from the standpoint of the task of developing players, it's much more difficult at the college level. So, yeah, the lifers in that realm, in that sport, I give a lot more credit to. Well, I'm not quite sure. I mean, uh, who has a better resume? I'm in terms of national championships and everything else. It, it is an interesting comparison. I'll put it this way, though. When you talk about a Greg Popovich or a Bill Belichick 
on the professional level. Now, when you're a college coach, if you're Nick Saban, if you're Coach K, if you're at that level as a college coach, you have control of everything. You have total control of everything. Everyone answers to you. And if you're able to get to that level at a professional level, and I think you have these are rarities, very rare. But when we talk about a Bill Belichick, when you talk about a Greg Popovich, they're in a position at the professional level that very few ever achieve, where they have a system in place, obviously a successful system, and nobody is really there to challenge them. I mean, it's such a constant cycle of coaches being fired at the professional level. But when you go 20-plus years with a single organization, you can pick any sport. But when you can do that, how's that possible? One, obviously, you got to win championships. you got to do a lot of winning. But you're able to hold on to and forge a system without anybody coming from the outside interfering. And to me, to achieve that at the professional level, because you know I'm a college sports junkie. I mean, that, that is my bread and butter. But I do think there are exceptions. And I yeah. just I look at Belichick and I look at Popovich, having done it as many years as they had with, with single organizations, incredible success over the years. But the fact that they were able to forge a system and stay with it and maintain success and you could talk about the revolving door of college sports. Obviously, at the professional level, you don't have quite that. But still, players do come and go, and you have a system. I was like what Popovich did with Kawhi Leonard. You know, he changed him as a player coming out of San Diego State. We thought maybe he'll be a defensive guy, and he turned out to be one of the great all-around players in the game. So I, I, I'm going to have to lean – to Popovich over Coach K, I think he's because more, it's so it's so rare to be able to do that at the professional level. I think he's just a more likable character, to be honest yeah, with you. Pretty close. <laughs> well, neither I one mean, that, no, don't, neither one is all uh, chummy. Well, no, I'm just saying though. About. There are a lot of Duke haters out there. I think you subscribe to that newsletter, and yeah. I think that Coach K, as a result of his affiliation with one of these blue blood college basketball programs for as long as he's had this reign, um, is often linked to the hatred. And 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 look, does rightfully and deservedly so. That's part of the reason why he gets paid so much money because he's made Duke a national uh, uh, factory for. Uh, sports takes right I mean they get a lot of attention and it revolves around the success that the programs have and and the 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 splitting of the room and the polarization of the conversation around college basketball as a result he's also had some of the most hated players to ever play the game of college basketball on his roster at different points different generations um here's the thing I will say is playing collegiately and playing professionally in football I can tell you the greatest leap an athlete is ever going to make in his life is going from his high school football program or basketball program to a college program. You are lost. You go from being the biggest fish in a, in usually very small ponds because, let's face it, I mean, how many really great established uh, programs are there at the high school level? You know, there's a couple in each state. 
you know, outside of that, you're usually just sort of dealing with middle-of-the-road coaches, middle-of-the-road athletes. But then there are shining examples of players who can ascend above all of that. But when you get to college, now you're shoulder-to-shoulder with the other greatest players in each state of the 50 out there. And now you're competing for a position on the practice squad. It is... It is one of the most emasculating experiences a young male athlete will go to hopping on a football field or a basketball court with grown men for the first time in your life. I mean, outside of playing pickup games at the YMCA or, you know, in in terms of football, there really is no comparison. You're just going to get manhandled because these guys have grown man strength. Now, when you leave college and you go to the NBA or you go to the NFL, I think the learning curve is a lot less steep. And that's the reason why I give these college coaches a lot more credit than the professional coaches. Also, and I realize now with name, image, and likeness, this is changing. And frankly, especially in college basketball, this has been corrupt the whole way. Um, you can pay players in the professional ranks, and that's all on the up and up, and it's all on the open. You can't do it in college. So you're competing recruiting-wise with other schools. Now I do know, again, there's corruption, and players have always been paid to a certain greater or lesser extent, but that's that's the point. That, and, and that's really where I stick to it because you, you are truly in charge of developing talent at the college level. Many times at the professional level, you're managing talent already developed. Again, uh, the professional game is such that you're disposable. I agree with you. I mean, look, the stars of college basketball are the coaches. There's no question about that. Uh, And the stars of the NBA are not the coaches, although Pop is a rare exception because he's been at it so long. I just, I don't know. I I wouldn't say this in almost any other comparison, but I I do look at Popovich uh, on a different level. I think what he has done uh, in the way he's gone about it with San Antonio in, in some ways is reminiscent of a guy that's had a long, sustained run successfully at the college level, except he's done it at the professional level so um, either or it's two iconic figures Uh, of course for coach k after that last loss in front of all those fans and we don't have to rehash what i thought were some unfortunate choice of words by him after that loss to north carolina he said it's not over yet and uh, duke's taking on virginia tech today in that acc championship game all right let's find out what's trending right now by the way one quick note here before we get to that hiring heating up indeed's hiring platform makes it easy to attract screen and interview candidates all in one place sponsor a post and instantly receive a short list of quality candidates on indeed whose resumes match your job description visit indeed.com slash credit all right let's find out what's trending right now we bring back Mr. Ralph Irvin. Now, Ralph, you and I are UCLA guys, and they're playing Arizona in the Pac-12 championship game tonight. Now, UCLA on uh, most of the bracketology has been listed at number four. Uh, Arizona obviously is sitting as a current one seed. If UCLA were to win against Arizona tonight, how would that change the seating dynamic of those two schools. A lot of ones have lost. Kentucky um, is down eight right now. Well, this and they're is, a two seed. We, basically, we mentioned this before the show, Steve. Kentucky was the third best team in the SEC in the regular season. Yeah. So I'm going to worry about them being a top four team in the country. No, come on. That's 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 poppycock. 
<laughs> great, great pull there, Ralph. I mean, I mean, I mean, to, 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 put, to, to put it in perspective, <laughs> it would be like me saying, and you know, I would say it because I put them in the Final Four every year in my single bracket. That UCLA should be a one seed if they win the t- game tonight. A one seed. Well, why not? They beat Arizona two out of three, and Arizona's a solid one. But they do have six losses on their resume. Well, and they were also didn't play for a month because of COVID. Yeah. I mean, there, there's all. But that's the point. I'm, I'm not saying I'm right. I'm saying that's like that argument. Mm. It, it's just it's silly. Kentucky is is a very good team that's been okay a lot of the year. Mm. No, okay. that's, uh, I mean, uh, Iowa Sam is insisting Iowa State should not be no last four in. No, we'll, we'll get to that later. No, I, uh, Ralph, though, <laughs> I saw Kentucky did they laid to waste Kansas at Fog Allen Fieldhouse. I mean, they they have some good and, wins. I mean, I mean that, that's the you know that's a good win. Kentucky's good, and they put up a, a conference season that was third best in in a, in, in, a, in an average and conference. Yeah. I think yeah. SEC's pretty good this year. <laughs> they're, they're average. See what happens. Here. Can you imagine what's happening in that room where they're all trying to they're make their case for certain schools seating? Yeah. I mean, goodness, they're the one. They're the ones that are arguing. You know, if Popovich and Shashevsky are the best coaches in their fields, which is laughable in itself. So it's you know fine. <laughs> Ralphie. I'm just you know, He's thinking. About Ralph's it. got the fire. What? I mean, I'm sorry. Just... I'd never heard of Phil Jackson or John Wooden. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Goodness gracious, just just stop. John Wooden, I mean, I don't know about John Wooden, man. Not with a Coach K. Oh, so don't re- even go there. We're going to have to redo that Mount Rushmore. You uh. have to understand, Ralph, Ralph, <laughs> Rich was born 11 years after Coach Wooden coached his last game. He I've read know, his book. He would, I, I mean, I like it. Have you read Krzyzewski's book? Oh, yeah. Have you seen his Pyramid of Success? Have you seen him quoted by every business leader in the world? Of course I, not, I, because I, he's not John Wooden. I'll tell you, I, I listen to Shashevsky's uh, uh, podcast every night before bed. Yeah, well, there he you go. It'll, it'll put you to sleep. <laughs> yeah, he, he will uh, make an argument all day. Coach K runs circles around oh, Coach Wooden. Yeah, it's not even close, really. Uh. <laughs> yeah, it isn't close because one's uh, lapping the other one, and his name's John. Yeah. Uh, we s- sitting with a couple of UCLA honks. It's just, yeah, it's yeah. unfortunate. Yeah. yeah. Is it? That's interesting because I'm always around Penn trees. State people all the time. It's just unbelievable. How Surrounded many Penn State right people? now with There's, there's yeah. no Southern representation on this uh, this show yeah. or others, and honestly, it, someone's got to have it, you know? Well, you're yeah. always the sole Iowa representation wherever you go. Yes, the soul of Iowa, the sole yeah. representation. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I think the SEC is pretty good this year. I think that they'll uh, they'll have some teams make runs. We'll find LSU's running for a new head coach. But I digress as we go to the SEC tournament in Tampa. Number nine, Tennessee, a 57-49 lead over number five, Kentucky. Four minutes to play in the second half of that contest. 109 to play in, make it 43 seconds left to play in the semifinal in the Big Ten. Number three, or number nine, Purdue, a 70-62 lead over Michigan State. 11.54 to play in the second half. St. Peter is holding on to a 41-33 lead over Monmouth as they are playing for the Metro Atlantic Athletic Conference automatic bid. Already automatic bids today to Vermont in the American East and Norfolk State in the Mid-Eastern Athletic Conference. And Amari Cooper, now a member of the Cleveland Browns after he goes from Dallas 
the Cowboys getting a fifth round pick and they swap six rounders. Send it back now to our first rounders. It is Steve Hartman and Rich Holmberger. All right, thank you very much, Ralph. Um, you know, it's been interesting in the NFL this week. Uh, first of all, it started with Aaron Rodgers deciding to stay in Green Bay. And then immediately we get the Russell Wilson trade blockbuster deal to end up with the Denver Broncos. Um, Carson Wentz is now with the Washington Commanders. So the dominoes are falling, and then all of a sudden we have the big story about Deshaun Watson, and the bidding wars begin. Where's Jimmy Garoppolo, Rich? Uh, where, where are we talking about Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be a hot ticket item? It's almost like he's off the map temporarily with all these teams suddenly saying, hey, we got a lot of interest in Deshaun Watson. Seven or eight teams. Is is there any chance that the 49ers will not trade Jimmy Garoppolo? Yeah, there's a chance. I, I mean, let's be very realistic about what a trade is. A trade is trying to sap what value you can out of a player before you deem him not qualified enough to suit your current purposes. And in certain cases, it's not because that player isn't talented. Again, he just may not suit your current purposes. So if you're looking to rebuild or if you're looking to improve your cap number, sometimes you'll let go of great talents because you're just not ready for them right now and you're not willing to pay the cap hit that they're uh, that they're they're looking to to have. You know, this happens all the time. Uh, it, it kind of happened with Amari Cooper and the Dallas Cowboys. Something had to give. They needed to make cap room uh, if they were going to be able to retain certain free agents, uh, players, or, or, you know, in the draft, bring in some new talent. So they had to get their cap under control. Um, in, in the case of Jimmy Garoppolo, the market was hotter for him at the conclusion of the season uh, when trades were available to be discussed because there were a lot of quarterback needy teams, but he also needed shoulder surgery, which slowed down the market. Russell Wilson all of a sudden became available. I think there was inklings that that would be the case. I don't think anything was necessarily proven or documented that it would be the case. Um, so you had to wait for Rodgers to re-sign in Green Bay or be traded. You had to wait for Russell Wilson to re-sign or 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 uh, or be traded, uh, you know, not resigned, but you get my point. Um, and now with the situation as it presents itself with Deshaun Watson, Jimmy Garoppolo is a much lower priority in trade until we find out where Watson goes. So he's going to have to. I shouldn't say he. The 49ers are going to have to wait their turn on Garoppolo. Last year, when the uh, Rams and the Lions swapped quarterbacks, it came a little bit out of left field. There are two other quarterbacks right now. There are rumors arising that their teams are possibly going to put them on the trade market. One of them, and of course, this is all dependent that there's an interest in party in these quarterbacks. One of them is Kirk Cousins. With the Vikings, they have a new coach there. The other, Danny, is Derek Carr. That the mm. Raiders may dangle Derek Carr. Now, in, in both these cases, what you're doing is you're you're seeing if there's some major interest. Let's, let's go to Derek Carr for a moment here. So he's coming off a playoff run. Uh, you, Rich, you and I are both Derek Carr fans. We, we, we like what we see in this guy. He's a leader. Uh, players respond to this guy. 
But if the Raiders and Josh McDaniels decide, and by the way, remember this, if Derek Carr were to leave, all of a sudden, who could be a Raider? Huh? Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't I don't know, you know, if that's an upgrade, but I mean, you're thinking about along those lines. But if Derek Carr was being dangled out there, how much can the Raiders get for a guy like Derek Carr? What kind of market value do you think Derek Carr has? I mean, depending on the number of bidders, depending on what sort of pro talent you receive back for Derek Carr, I think the conversation probably starts at two first rounders. Mm -hmm. I mean, look, if Russell Wilson, if the conversation or Aaron Rodgers, for that matter, starts at three first rounders, um, which I do think that's where the conversation would have started, given their injury history and age both, Derek Carr, who is... Very talented. I I mean, he really does hover around that great conversation consistently enough for me to see a team like, I don't know, Pittsburgh or see a team like Minnesota, right? You know, who, if you look at Minnesota's roster, I mean, they've got a lot Mm -hmm. to work with there. Same thing in Pittsburgh. They got to improve their offensive line. There's no question that they need to make some moves in a hurry to improve that offensive line, especially they're going to trade for a starting quarterback who can win right now. Um, But yeah, there are a couple of teams out there where it makes a lot of sense. It's just a matter of if you want to um, invest draft capital in bringing in Derek Carr. And I do think that two first-rounders is is the entry point. Now, who knows? If you have a quarterback that you can shift over to Las Vegas, maybe that sweetens the pot. I, I don't know. I, I It sounded like Josh McDaniels is pretty interested in Derek Carr. It sounded like he and his general manager don't want to move off him because of what he is to that organization and what he's been to that locker room. So I don't know if he's going to be available, but everybody has their price. I'd be very curious to see what it takes. But like I said, I think, I think, it's, I think it's going to be a couple first-rounders. What about it, Danny? If you had an offer of two first-round picks for Derek Carr, would you move him? Well, I think the Rams have proven to all of us that draft picks don't really mean all that much right now. Uh, it's suspects, not prospects, right? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And so you have to be careful with uh, doing too much with uh, depending on the draft. Look, the only way I would replace Derek Carr is if I re-sign Mariota as my backup mm-hmm. and then I trade for a Deshaun Watson. 33 touchdowns, seven picks. I'm loving that. The one number people don't really talk about a lot with Derek Carr, 76. That's the number of fumbles he's had in his career. It leads not only the Raiders, the history of the Raiders, but the league right now. Yeah, he threw 14 interceptions as well last year, which was up from the previous couple of years. But I I, I still look at Derek Carr as the X factor. I'm just, I'm a big Derek Carr guy. I like him too, but can he get you over the hump? (sighs) I mean, I love the fact he... Led the Did Raiders Sean on that. Watson late... get you over the hump? I think so. You oh, do? Yeah. I think oh, yeah. so. Yeah, 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 without question. I mean, yeah. if we're if we're going to compare Deshaun Watson talent wise to Derek Carr, I don't think there is much a comparison. But Derek Carr is still very good. That, I mean, that doesn't diminish him. No, no, he's a B plus, and I feel like Deshaun Watson is a, a solid A. Yeah, and then plus, just think about how young he is and how talented he is. Think about how good the Texans looked. The Texans looked with Deshaun Watson at times. I mean, they, that that's a team that 
I mean, look, and Billy O'Brien, I think as a head coach, as an offensive play caller, is is pretty talented. But as a general manager, he did some destruction to that, that team uh, foundationally. And he still looked good playing for the Houston Texans. The Texans were still viable in that division regardless. So I, Deshaun Watson's next level in terms of his comparison to Derek Carr. But, but yeah, I, I think that... I think that Derek Carr is a very worthy quarterback in this league. It could work out gangbusters for the Raiders. But then again, you look at that division and you say, is Derek Carr the guy who can compete with the likes of Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, and now Russell Wilson over the next two or three years? The answer may be no. And if the answer is no, then you better get what value you can for him as soon as possible. All right, uh, we're going to a quick jump to the NBA on the other side. Uh, There's a player, you may have heard of this guy, who's about to make history. Tell you all about it, coming up next. Steve Harbin, Rich Orberger, Fox Sports Saturday. If cold candidate calls aren't turning into hot hiring leads, then you need Indeed because Indeed's powerful hiring platform makes it easy to attract, screen, and interview candidates all from one place. Find your next great hire visiting Indeed.com slash credit. Last night, LeBron James had another 50-point game. Right now, Rich, he is leading the NBA in scoring this year at 29.7 points per game. If he leads the league in NBA in scoring, he'll be the oldest player ever to do it. Uh, topping Michael Jordan. It was 35. The last time he led the NBA in scoring and he's doing this playing the center position. They decided to move him there with the Anthony Davis still out and he's absolutely dominating. Consider this. He was the first player in NBA history over the age of 30, he's 37, to have back-to-back home games in which he has scored at least 50 points. He was 18 of 25 from the field, 6 of 9 from three-pointers, a perfect 8 for 8 from the free-throw line. Do you really think that LeBron James wants to finish his career in a Lakers uniform with all the problems they face moving forward to try to gather the right talent around them to make a serious run for a championship? Or do you believe LeBron will say, you know what? I don't know how much time I have left in this league, but I want to be on a team that gives me a serious chance to win an NBA championship because what we're seeing on the court is as good as it gets right now, leading the league in scoring. Yeah, LeBron James... Like no other player I think I've ever witnessed in my life has this incredible ability to always turn it on, right? You know, there it doesn't feel like there's – it never feels like there isn't enough in the reserves uh, to, not, to not turn it on. You know what I mean? Like I, I don't know if I'm saying it clearly enough, but he just has that switch that he can flip at any moment. And it's unlike any, you know, he can, he, he's been sensational this whole season. I'm not trying to underrate what he's been this season for the Lakers, um, especially amid a season of disappointments where uh, Russell Westbrook has been 
awful uh, and, and really has, I think, mentally uh, it's taken a toll on him because now, you know, he's talking about the fans booing and he's talking about how certain fans have been using his last name, Westbrook and all that. And Anthony uh, uh, Davis, I mean, AD can't stay on the court. He's just been hurt more than he hasn't been with the Lakers. He's been a bright spot, but like no other player I've ever seen, he just knows when he needs to turn it on and has recently. And as we close out this regular season, I mean, don't rule out the Lakers to win that next championship this year, because what if, hang on, hang on, what if Anthony Davis gets healthy? I mean, how much more does it take than a healthy AD and a LeBron James, even if they have to play into the tournament? How much more does it take? The reason why the Lakers weren't in the discussion at all last year's postseason was because they were hurt and they're flopping around out there. They just didn't have enough bodies to throw at the problem. But if AD can play and they have him healthy through an entire postseason bracket, you're not throwing your lot behind the Lakers? You're not giving them any They can't chance? play any defense, Rich. I mean, two years ago when they won the championship. Oh, what do you mean, who does? Teams that win championships right. in every sport. You got to they, – they, you know, the other night uh, the, they lost to the lowly Rockets, right, the team that the worst record in the Western Conference. And the Rockets openly admitted – at the end of that game, they were looking wherever Carmelo Anthony is, we're just going to go at him every single time. Uh, LeBron can't do it by himself. He's doing an incredible job of right. trying to do it by himself, but but, but okay. that's not enough to Let's, win a championship. Let, let me change it then. The, who who does play great defense when they when they're missing their their six foot ten all star well, center? It doesn't help. You know, so, but, but they were playing point. great defense when he was on the court. Unhealthy, they have so on many the court. deficiencies on the defensive end because they got old yeah. legs. I, Too look, many old legs. I get it. I get it. But Russ is a bit of a pit bull on the defensive side. If he becomes encouraged with AD all back. Right, I'm going to put LeBron all your money on the chase. Lakers to win it all. If Anthony Davis returns, I'm going to put all your money on that. I'm, I'm telling you right now, I'd put a bet. I'd put a bet. <laughs> I'm not all of it. All right. I'd put a bet. All right. Uh, much more on the March Madness. Much more NFL news coming up next. Oh, yes, another beautiful Saturday indeed. And uh, by the way, Rich and I will do it again tomorrow here on Fox Sports Radio, a normal Sunday show, 10 to 2 on the West Coast, 1 to 5 on the East Coast, as we will count down to Selection Sunday. Tomorrow is the day. The field is 68. It's going to be all set. Oh, can't wait. Cannot wait. Uh, Tennessee knocking out Kentucky today in the semis of that SEC tournament. So any hopes that Kentucky had of securing a one seed are gone. Uh, by the way, hiring heating up. Indeed's hiring platform makes it easy to attract, screen, and interview candidates all in one place. Sponsor a post and instantly receive a short list of quality candidates on Indeed whose resumes match your job description. Visit Indeed.com slash credit. Adam Kaplan is going to be joining us, our Fox Sports Radio NFL insider here. We'll talk some more NFL with him. Uh, but uh, I, I want to get back to baseball for a second here, Rich. Uh, we were talking about some of the rules changes. One thing that has changed is how many teams are going to make the playoffs. Uh, baseball will go from 10 to 12. So you got your three division winners in each league and then three additional wild card teams. Uh, the top two records uh, will get a bye. The other four teams will play off, and they move on. One thing I've always appreciated about baseball over the NBA, the NFL, the NHL, 
is they've had the fewest teams in the playoffs over the years. I mean, just a couple years ago, they were four. I mean, you can go back to two, back to, you know, I mean, baseball has always thought less was more in terms of teams in the postseason. When you think of the NBA, over half the teams are in the postseason. And if you talk about these play-in games now, what is that, 20 out of 30 will play some form of postseason basketball? How, how, do you, how do you weigh in on the expansion of playoffs? Is it good or detrimental to these leagues? Now, and, and I'm not talking about in terms of finances, because we all know it's all about finances, why it's done. But does that lessen the impact if you bring more teams into the postseason mix? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're talking about in terms of impact of interest? Yeah. Yeah, it does. I, I mean, let's let's face it. The, the playoffs are special because you're getting to see the best teams face off against each other. And you put it perfectly. The NBA has the worst playoff system. It's because we're not seeing special teams. We're seeing bad teams limp into opening series in the postseason where they shouldn't have any business being there if they win playing games. Where, where's the fun in that? I mean, it's like watching sacrificial lambs and pigs be welcomed to the slaughterhouse in the opening round of the postseason. Right now, after, right now. Yeah. Go ahead. The New Orleans Pelicans record is 27 and 40. 27 and 40. And they're going to be in a postseason game at this point. So I'm 27 and 40. The Lakers are eight games below 500. And they're in a position for a postseason game. So continue. I just yeah. I just mind blowing yeah. these teams that suddenly say, Yeah, hey, we were in the postseason. No, you had a crappy season. Okay, and somehow being rewarded for it yeah. in 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 the NFL. I mean, we're we're close, man. We're right there. Yeah, we are. We are right there because 14, mm. 14 works, but it barely does. Mm. Right. Because we are going to see maybe not this past season, but in, in future seasons, we are going to see bad teams make it into the postseason. But. The one thing the, M- the NFL has going for them is the fact that in a single elimination scenario, uh, the urgency is there. And so you're going to tune in, right? You're going to see if the upset can take place. So there's that. In Major League Baseball, I think they got it pretty right. I think 12 teams isn't too much. I think it's actually probably arguably the best in terms of seeing some of the top talent play it out in the postseason. I do like the urgency of the wild card round. I don't have too many complaints about Major League's uh, postseason prior to the lockout and the new CBA rules and the current um, uh, uh, positioning of, of 12 teams in that they have on the other side of negotiations. Now, I'm going to guess this. As far as the wild card, okay, so here's the, here's the deal. This is the new format for Major yeah. League Baseball. Let me hear it. Yeah, because I was curious about this. So the 12-team format goes as follows. So the one and two seeds, the top two division winner records, and it will be a division. So, for instance, last year, you remember the Giants had the most wins in the National League and the Dodgers had the second most. But the Dodgers were a wild card team. So in the case that the top two records in a league are in the same division, that's not how it works. The one seed is obviously the team with the best overall record. The two seed 
is the second best record among division winners. So it's interesting in the wild card round, the three C will host the six C for a three game series and the four will play the five. So there's no more one of these one game playoffs in terms of the wild card. Because we're also talking about that in baseball, right, Rich? You play 162 games, you qualify as a wild card, and you have one game to decide whether or not you're going to move on. Now, you love that. I mean, you've always been a, a big fan. Like, every series should be one game, just like football, right? It's just like one game, done. Uh, I always was a proponent of two out of three uh, in those series, but that's how it's all going to break down. Yeah, I I, uh, I think that I like – I like the urgency that's set in place by shortening series. I think that I like the fact that it really is a slim field that makes it to the most special games of the season. You have to be really good. You either have to win your division, which inarguably sometimes you play in a weak division and you can squeak by with whatever it is, you know, 89, 90, 91 wins. And, you know, you just have such a dreadful division you're playing against that you can sneak in that way. But if you're going to be a wild card team, you got to be a great team most of the time, right? Per league, you got to be great to get in the wild card round. And if you win your division, typically you're a good, if not great team and have just as good a chance of any of the other uh, divisional winners out there. So I think it works. I think Major League Baseball actually has hit the right chord with the postseason. And this is coming from a guy who's complained a lot about a lot to do with Major League Baseball. The pace of play is a snooze fest. They play too many regular season games. They need to be more um, interested, and I think the Major League owners actually have a better uh, a feel for this than the players in certain cases on making changes to make the game more attractive to fans. Baseball players are very stodgy. They're very set in their ways. They don't want a lot of changes to the game, but they're losing a core demographic, which is the younger audience. You need to make this game peppier. You need to make this game more fun, faster, more offensive. And the only way you can do that is start playing with some rule changes, which finally the union has agreed to allowing the owners to institute in 2023 with the pitch clock, with the larger bases, with the 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 robo umps. So we're going to have less arguing over strikes and balls. I, I think I think baseball's heading in a better direction, and I think the playoffs actually is where they shine the most. One other big rule, obviously, is the elimination of the runner on second base in extra innings. Uh, this this is one of those rules where there's a huge difference between, let's say, hardcore baseball is my number one sport fan and the casual baseball fan and enjoys the game but is stressed out by the length of games. Uh, I think you're in that category, Rich. I know you love baseball, but the idea of a runner on second base to start an extra inning wasn't the worst idea in your book, but that's gone, and I'm old school. Baseball is is a sport without a clock. I don't care if the game goes 18 innings. So what? It doesn't happen often anyway. It's not like it's happening every other day. On rare occasion, it's sort of a, a novelty. Um, but me personally, I am relieved. I thought that was a gimmick. I hated it. How did he get there? 
You just showed up on second base. How did this work out? I mean, come on. I mean, but but look, you know, how do how do we get there? Where what team gets the ball first in in professional football? They flip a coin. I mean, that's arbitrary. There's the plenty of things that are arbitrary in sport that we're just used to because they've been baked into the tradition of sport. You know, we would get used to seeing the runner on second after a generation, after about a decade, decade and a half of seeing a runner on second and extra innings we would just get used to it it would just become a part of the normal lexicon of baseball and and we'd all move on with our lives but baseball look again they tried something okay and even though I was a fan of it and I thought it should stick around at very least in the regular season because why not why not try to shorten some of these regular season games? I mean, who has time to stay up until midnight or after on a school night uh, during, a, during a regular season game that ultimately may not matter in the, the balance of the season? Um, but I, I digress. I, I'm happy they instituted the rule to give it a shot to see if it would work, to see if the, the players would get behind it, if there was enough support from the fans. I'm excited to see other rule t- uh, changes take shape and see how many of them get accepted off the bat or how many of them begrudgingly the mm. players and the owners realize are better for their sport because they answer some of the mm. questions that the league has been long plagued by. Did your is, parents... Let me yeah. ask you a question. Yeah, yeah, Did yeah. your parents let you stay up late on Monday nights to watch the Monday night game as an East Coast guy? Were you watching NFL football at near midnight on uh, Monday nights as no. a kid? I, I, I really, honestly, I don't think I ever saw mm. the conclusion to a Monday night game mm. until I was old enough to mm. stay up late enough. Right. I, I'm, I mean, just, I'm just wondering. I'm just wondering because you're talking about late nights with the kids. And to be perfectly honest with you, if like if my kid was a big time sports fan, I think I would be more permissive than my parents, and I would let him stay up late. I'm saying that now. Yeah, of course. Uh, you know, I, we'll see how <laughs> my my how that changes over time. But I think I would. Uh, but uh, th- there's so many special moments in sports though that are missed by children by by yeah you know even adolescents we're talking about kids who are on the brink of their teen years or early teen years because parents are looking at their watch or the clock on the wall and saying geez you know we got school tomorrow we can't do this you know and they make a hard decision which i think it sucks. I mean, and and I wish it was different in baseball on a more routine basis. All right. On the other side, we're going to get back to the NFL. There's so many moving pieces in terms of the quarterback position. We're going to get all the latest. Adam Kaplan, our Fox Sports Radio NFL insider, joins us next. Steve Harbin, Rich Ormberger, Fox Sports Saturday. All right, uh, with all the uh, March Madness going on right now, Rich, by the way, I'm watching this uh, Mountain West Conference Championship game going on right now between San Diego State and Boise State. That game's tied up at 11. Uh, Later on, UCLA is going to be taking on Arizona in the Pac-12 Championship game, so all kinds of excitement going on. But let's talk a little NFL football. Joining us right now, our Fox Sports Radio NFL insider, Sirius XM NFL, Adam Kaplan, is joining us today. All right, Adam, we got a lot to catch up on, but I want to jump right to the forefront on Deshaun Watson. 
So now that he has been cleared of criminal charges, now he still has pending civil cases, disciplinary action, probable from the yep. NFL. Where do we stand right now, and what kind of activity is going to be out there in terms of offers on the table to acquire Deshaun Watson? So, guys, good to be with you. Yeah, talking to teams that are involved, I, I mean, never say never, but last year at this time, actually it was before the allegations were against Watson that – I'm told the Texans had a an offer from an NFC team for three first rounders and three picks, uh, three three first rounders and three players. That is highly unlikely to happen this time because of what's pending. We're, we're looking at a likely 68 game suspension at some point in a series of months. It's it it'll, should come down. Uh, you don't have to be charged with anything to be suspended in the National Football League. We know that uh, several cases uh, over the years would show that. Uh, remember now, Watson's base salary goes from $10 million last year, which was a bargain, to $35 million. You, you know, you're giving up draft picks compensation, and, you're, and you have to pay the guy $35 million as is. It, a couple of teams I've spoken with have already talked to the Texans. They just don't see the Texans getting three first-round picks. Probably two picks, two players. We'll see. It, look, uh, I, I'd be very surprised if this is not done within a week because now we have, cl- we have clarity. And it, it's just going to get rolling. The Texans want to be done with it. Now, I'm also told the Texans, as of this morning, would not give any team the the ability to talk to Watson uh, face-to-face or over the phone or anything like that because he's still under contract to the Texans. Uh, for They would not allow anything last year. And, uh, that, again, that is, uh, as of this morning, I'm told that uh, no contact with Watson allowed yet. See, this is this is very interesting because I think that – I think that – the Texans could potentially uh, get away with grabbing a bunch of draft capital for Watson, and they should if it's just based off his talent. But with the no-trade clause, yeah. how do you think this is going to go, Adam? Because I feel like Watson and his agent understand what's at risk if a team divorces themselves a bunch of draft capital to get Watson, then on the other side of that deal, that team that just got Watson has less capital to build around Watson. So <laughs> if I'm Deshaun, I mean, you're in the catbird seat a little bit here because you can kind of put the screws to the Texans and wave that no trade clause and make this harder for them if you want to. And and it feels like he probably will unless there's a desirable deal for him in place as well. It's Rich, it's funny you say that because this is what happened uh, with the trade of Russell Wilson. Seattle could not get what they were seeking three first-round picks because Russell Wilson, who has a no-trade clause, would not waive it uh, for some of the teams involved. The Panthers, I'm told, were involved. Uh, they were told he, he didn't want to go there. Uh, there were other teams involved that, uh, like Philly, he didn't want to go there. He wanted to stay on the West Coast. Denver, you know, you could debate how West Coast it is, but it's certainly not East Coast. So that limited Seattle's opportunity to get maximum uh, draft capital, but they still got two first-round picks, and they got three players, one of which will definitely start. Uh, Noah Fant will start a tight end for, for the Seahawks. But, yeah, Rich, you know, you bring up a good point. When you there, I'm told there are at least eight teams, eight teams who have legitimate interest in, Texas, in, in, in Watts. In fact, one of them, one of them, an NFC, uh, excuse me, an AFC team already has their starting quarterback, but they look at Watson as a major upgrade. And now that we, we've got legal clarity, at least for the time being, uh, this team is l- at least looking into it, so it's kind of fascinating. This is the this is the big domino that's going to probably hit again within the next week. 
All right, let's talk about the Russell Wilson arriving in a Denver trade. So immediately, obviously, Vegas odds went up as far as the Broncos being Super Bowl contenders. And yet, when you look at that division, you got the Chiefs on top. But you have the Chargers with Justin Herbert. You got the Raiders with Derek Carr, at least for now. I mean, there's suddenly trade rumors about Derek Carr. But, I mean, this was a team that made the playoffs a year ago. Are you buying into the idea that just by adding Russell Wilson to the Broncos, they're now one of the elite teams in the NFL? Well, you know, I know there's this narrative from people who've watched uh, Russell Wilson's tape for the last season and a half that he hasn't played as well. And there's certainly some truth to it where he was brilliant in the first half of 2020 until Pete Carroll decided to micromanage their offense. This is, by the way, one of the many reasons why Russell Wilson wanted out. He wanted to be with someone who believes in the passing game, and he's going to get that because the head coach, Hackett, will call the plays. But when you look at Denver now, yeah, obviously, you get a major upgrade. They they should be in that 10-12 to win uh, a season-type mode. But they're not look, they're not a great team, but they're certainly getting better. Now you look at that division with Mahomes, with Derek Carr, with Herbert, it's it's the quarterback division. There's no question about it. It is the best quarterback division in the National Football League. And it's really not close. But if you watch Denver last season with Teddy Bridgewater, I mean you just you felt that they couldn't compete. And that it cost Vic Fangio his job. Now their defense was great, really good, like really competitive. But they couldn't throw the football. And now they have someone who could throw the football. I, l- let's not forget, Russell Wilson, he broke his finger. Uh, they had a new offense he put in under Shane Waldron, uh, who was their offense coordinator coming over from the Rams. And it, I, I don't think they actually clicked for the two seasons uh, very well, to be honest with you, that they were there. In fact, Brian Schottenheimer did a fantastic job. And to Pete Carroll said, oh, we want to run the football. You don't agree with my philosophy, so you're going to be out. What do you think of Amari Cooper going to the Cleveland Browns? And what do you think precipitated this more? Just the cap room that the Cowboys were looking to achieve with the move? Or was there something more to this? Because Cooper was outspoken about how he felt the offense was limiting his effectiveness downfield. Uh, He described the Dallas Cowboys, even though winning, as lacking explosivity at one point in the season, and he wished he had more red zone targets. Rich, here's the issue with Amari Cooper. Actually, there's more than one issue. If you looked at his contract, there's and you and, you know you played in the league, you know how these things work. Mm. You don't you can't justify a player that's not dominant and paying him twenty million dollars, which becomes his twenty million dollars becomes fully guaranteed next Sunday. And they've been look, they've been trying. Uh, they were trying hard at the combine. By the way, there's a real story. They were trying to trade him at the combine. Uh, they got no takers. They finally found somebody. Now I don't know how if Cleveland's going to take that that twenty million, all of it. But the fact of the matter is. The Cowboys wanted to move that salary. They wanted to move the player. The, the, they, they, in fact, as I understand it, they never seriously talked about a pay cut. And I don't know that Cooper would have taken it. But this is a situation where they just did not want him on the football team. And by the way, there have been, there's been questions internally uh, from the coaches I spoke with who've worked with the Cowboys over the years about effort game to game. Uh, I remember in Philly, uh, maybe three years ago, uh, it, and I or two actually it was two years ago, twenty twenty, where they quite, he actually got benched. He did for competition. He did not compete hard enough, and they benched him, and it got confirmed in the locker room that that's you know, this is Amari Cooper's career. Unbelievable talent, one of the best route runners in the National Football League. Everybody knows how, how talented he is. 
But there are some times when he comes up short, and I think the Cowboys kind of had enough, and that's why they move him. they're going to move him officially on Wednesday to Cleveland. Yeah, he's motivated, though, in the moment, just like he was when he went to Dallas. I mean, you know, yeah, for half I mean, a season, you know, he looked yeah. like a superstar, like, yeah. wow, the Raiders gave up on this guy? But you exactly. like say he just seems to to fade away. Uh, one other quick thing here, Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, suddenly yeah. we're all, all over Deshaun Watson is the latest domino to fall as far as these quarterbacks are concerned. Uh, Rich and I were talking about this earlier. Uh, is it conceivable that if the 49ers don't get an offer they deem worthy of Garoppolo, he could be back? Well, the way that they're going to do this is, first of all, because he had surgery, the, the chance of getting a first-round pick, first pick just went out the door. Where I thought they could have gotten a first-round pick and probably would have, but he won't be ready till the summer. That's not good. And remember, he's also on the final year of his deal. So what you would have had to do is, if you were going to trade him and try to get a first-round pick, you would ha- the team receiving would have to extend his contract. You're not giving up a first-round or not getting for more than one year. So now, because of the sh- shoulder surgery, and he's had a lot of injuries in his career, he has a very good record overall as a starting quarterback. Um, I think right now when you look at the situation with, um, with Jimmy Garoppolo, I wouldn't say it's tied to Deshaun Watson, but the teams that don't get him, they're going to look at him as they continue to do. Um, and you know, whether it's Pittsburgh uh, or, or actually the Colts, those are the teams that you will look at as we get closer to the draft. If it's not done in the next two weeks, because remember, there's no deadline. He's under contract. It's, he's not a free agent, so you don't need to rush through this. But teams like to have their, their, their roster set and kind of know where they're going uh, into free agency or, or just after it as they fill the roster out. And f- plus, for cap purposes, they have to figure out what, what his contract's going to look like. But yeah, he's the other one. He'll be moved by the draft. Now, the only way he won't be moved is if they cannot get more than a third-round pick, they may take it longer. Because I remember talking to um, the Eagles about this with Zach Ertz. They wanted to trade him by the draft, but the, the trade offers they got were so bad, they just waited till the trade deadline in October. This, this happens every year. Like You don't want to give a guy away. And they've made it clear, as I understand it, to teams that they're, they're not going to just give the guy away for a third-round pick. At least they don't want to. All right, well, we're going to see how this all plays out. But, uh, yeah, first things first. So you're, just, you're thinking Deshaun Watson is going to be soon. Like, we're going to get I, can, I would be very surprised if, if it's not done within next week because, you, you, remember, his salary is enormous at $35 million. Teams have to kind of know where they're at here with free agency. Uh, talked to four teams over the last, I'm going to say, three or four hours. Um, they're going back and forth, haggling over players and compensation and so forth. So, both everybody's motivated to get this done because if you wouldn't need a quarterback, that means you don't have one, and that's got to get done relatively quickly here. Adam, we always appreciate the time. Thanks so much. Thank you. Adam Kaplan joining us there at Fox Sports Radio NFL Insider. Interesting. Sooner rather than later, Deshaun Watson on the move. Where is he going to go? Let's find out what's trending right now as we welcome back Mr. Madness himself, Ralph Irvin. Well, howdy. You are a March Madness guy. You are madness, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes, sometimes. Uh, No, all the time. Ralph Irvin. That's me. Hey, uh, the uh, Big 12 championship game going on right now. Number six, Kansas, an early 22-20 lead over number 14, Texas Tech. 10.45 to play in the first quarter of that game. Meanwhile, the Mountain West championship game being contested in Las Vegas. Boise State, San Diego State tied at 16, 10.26 to play in the first half. The Southwestern Athletic Conference 
Conference Championship game going on right now. Texas Southern in 28-26 lead over Alcorn State. 8-16 to play in the first half of that contest. But we do have finals in in the SEC. The championship game will be Tennessee, the number nine team in the country, taking on Texas A&M. The Volunteers beat Kentucky 69-62. Number nine, Purdue will face number 24, Iowa, in the Big Ten championship. The Boilermakers beating Michigan State 75-70. LSU firing head coach Will Wade after notice of allegations were received from the NCAA. Wade responsible for five of those eight total against the LSU men's basketball and the football teams a lot of institutional control being questioned there not a good scene in Baton Rouge and they still are going to have to go and find a head coach that's going to want to take over that basketball program Dallas trading Amari Cooper and a sixth round pick to Cleveland for the Browns 2022 fifth and sixth round picks so Dallas was at least able to choose the destination instead of just releasing him into free agency and we go with that now back to Steve Hartman, Rich Ornberger. It's a Saturday here on Fox Sports. Hey, Ralph, I have a quick question because yes. you're Mr. Golf right now. So play a suspended again at the players. Yes. Um, they have a lot of players that have yet to tee off for their second round. Correct. Uh, and this is Saturday. This Correct. is third round Saturday. By the way, some guys have just checked out. Kepka shot an 81 today. Bye-bye. Uh, where are some of the big scores? Spieth shot a 79 today. Shoffley is 78. They decide they don't want to stick around. They're exiting town as quick as possible. Well, that's how, also how, after their second round. Right. So They, they know they're not going to make the cut. Right. Um, how, how, how many days? I mean, if they have rain all day tomorrow and Sunday, I mean, or t- today and Sunday, I mean, how many days can you extend this tournament? Well, they probably could go till Tuesday. The next tournament is the Valspar Championship, which is down in the Tampa Bay area. Uh, So it's not a long travel day. And this is the Tours. Yeah. This is not a major, but it's the Tours major. Right. It's the Tours' biggest event by far. And so they're going to try to get in as much as they can out of this event. I mean, is it conceivable we're looking at a three-round tournament? It's possible, but they're gonna they're gonna open it up to going as far as Tuesday. Wow. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. This is gonna be. I mean, they just can't stop the rain. Man. Well, and and today, I mean, it was so much wind, yeah. and Justin Thomas was putting on an exhibition, really playing with the wind. Some yeah, of the, he shot sixty nine today. So, so, some of the shot tracers on his ball curving and everything else was just amazing. Hmm. I mean, he had one play, hundred and thirty two yards on seventeen, mm-hmm. the second round for him. And he had a six iron. Unbelievable. Good Lord. Yeah. It was crazy out there. Absolutely oh, nuts. All right, Ralph. Thank you very yeah. much. Uh, wow. Yeah. Just yeah. Uh, yeah. He hit that 132 yards with a spade. <laughs> like, because it was wet out there. It is wet out there. It's windy. It's, it's just awful. These conditions are awful. And you know what? Frankly, I love it. I love when I turn on golf. Like, the, the most recent Masters that Tiger Woods won. To me, was the best. Right, was the best tournament I ever see him. You still I, have tears over that. I, I, it moved me to tears. You, yeah, I, watching Golf. him. I was watching. on the air that day with Katina Mobley, and I choked up. In fact, I, I was tossing to Ralph for an update, and <laughs> you, you can hear it. I, I'm, I was 
choking up. It Whoa. was a, it was a special round to watch, and yep. anybody who missed that Sunday, you know, not to completely walk down memory lane, but it started raining. The conditions were awful, and it just goes to show you that, especially at a course like that, where it is a really challenging course, where being a veteran who's played that course often obviously helps you, uh, especially when the conditions turn really poor and sloppy, and that is part of the reason why I believe he won it. Uh, it's it felt like short, sheer will uh, otherwise, but it was uh, it was impressive watching even as uh, I forget who his finding pairing was. It was a trio. I think Sergio Garcia was golfing with him. I forget who else, but you could just see you could see there were other golfers who are at the top of the leaderboard wilting under the stress of the conditions and Tiger Woods just sort of. I mean, figuratively, but also literally weathered the storm on his way to his next Masters and most recent Masters championship. It was impressive. And that's that's sort of the same storyline. It's a war of attrition out there at the players in oh, golf this weekend. I mean, it is unbelievable. Start, stop, start, stop, win, yep. rain, everything else. Uh, but for a, a very valuable piece of hardware uh, in winning, plus a boatload of money. A lot of money. Um, by the way, I'm watching uh, some of the games right now. The A. AC, the American Athletic Conference semifinal game between SMU and Memphis. Uh, right now, Memphis is leading at the half by six. The reason I mention this game is that one of the assistant coaches for Memphis, where Penny Hardaway is the head coach, is a very familiar face. His name is Larry Brown. Larry Brown is the only coach ever to win an NBA championship and an NCAA championship. And, Rich, you know I'm near and dear with Coach Brown going back to my days at UCLA, you know, 40-plus years ago when he came to UCLA for a couple of years, got them to the NCAA championship game. He's 81 years old. He's been a head coach at some level for 42 years. He goes back to the ABA days as a head coach. He's done it all. He even went back to Italy a couple of years to be a head coach. But when you see lifers – like Larry Brown, and there he is sitting on the bench, assistant coach at Memphis. Yeah, you, you, I, I mean, I, I know Coach Brown well, and I know this guy is an absolute junkie, but at age 81, do you look at that with admiration? Do you look at that like, can't you just hang it up? What what, what reaction do you, because it's personal with me, but I mean, when you see a legend, a guy who's been in the Basketball Hall of Fame for 20 years, you know, one of the greatest basketball coaches of all time, just sort of sitting there on the bench, assistant coach at Memphis. What goes through your head? You know what goes through my head is, like, uh, it, this is what goes through my head. We all know uh, and we're all aware of certain people who, regardless of what you think about them, whether you think they're talented or they're good or they're bad or otherwise, um, they just can't quit the business. Hey. Like Betty White. Yes. Betty White mm-hmm. in acting. Uh, I mean, talented, obviously, but just couldn't quit the – Bernie Sanders in politics. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. that, he'll be there until his last breath. He's fighting the fight. Yeah. Um, Larry Brown. I, I mean, I played for one. Joe Paterno. I. There are examples all 
over society of people who just will ne- you'll you'll need to pry it from their cold dead hands <laughs> before they give it up themselves because they're addicted to it and that's what I feel that's what I see that's my reaction to hearing about a coach who's been around the game since the dinosaurs roamed the earth who's still got a seat on a bench somewhere because in order I mean for in order to play or coach at even this level the college basketball level or beyond you have to love it um but at a certain point you're gonna run into those people who are addicted to it and there's no doubt that coach brown's one of those guys he started his head coaching career with the carolina cougars of the aba when richard nixon was still (laughs) the president of the united states 1972 damn that is that is a lot bless him i absolutely love the man and uh you know, the fact that he's still out there doing it, man, and he's recruiting and doing everything else, uh, absolutely amazing. All right, on the other side, we will get you. So what, what are we going to expect tomorrow? Any surprises? What is it going to be like tomorrow on Selection Sunday? We're going to tell you coming up next. Now Bohannon has it with four three. seconds left. Bohannon, a long three to win it. Banks it in! Banks it in with eight-tenths of a second to go. And here's a three from the uh, other end at the buzzer. No good. Off the glass. The Hawkeyes are headed to the Big Ten championship game. Iowa survives Indiana 80-77. to wow. What a shocker. What a wow. shocker. Gary Dolphin from Learfield. We knew. He, by the way, uh, Rich, uh, Iowa Sam's been sitting on that the entire show. He's like, I have. When, when are you going to let me play? The game-winning shot. Just a little taste of March Madness right but it, there. But so. it wasn't a buzzer beater. It it wasn't. It was almost, almost. It was like a second left. No, no, no. It's got to be no, a no. buzzer beater. Well, you know, it was pretty, hey, pretty, pretty dramatic. Oh! You got to go. I was, oh! that's my, that was my reaction. Well. The game was very nice. Um... Iowa moves on to the Big Ten Championship game. Uh, By the way, we're brought to you by one of our favorite cities, Las Vegas, the greatest arena on earth. Every game, match, race, and competition, it is always on. No one does sports like Vegas, and the excitement is endless, so make sure to plan your trip today at visitlasvegas.com. A lot of – we're we're excited for a lot of our schools out there, Rich, right now. Iowa Sam, obviously, excited about the Hawkeyes. Uh, I'm excited about UCLA taking on Arizona tonight in the Pac-12 championship game rich you and i have ties to san diego state right now they have a one-point lead over boise state about four minutes to go in the first half of that mountain west conference championship game ralph irvin is predicting ucla should be a one seat hmm. that if they beat arizona that's the way he look at it <gasps> danny do you have uh, any uh, personal stake in any uh, school here as far as the ncaa tournament is concerned no dog in the fight. No dog in the fight, and that means you're free to go any direction you want. Very good. That's uh, the best way to be, by the yeah. way. I mean, then you're not nervous about anything other than your bracket. I mean, well, you know, I'm gonna that, and that's the other thing. It skews reality for you because while you're filling out your bracket. You know, you're you're sort of, if you're a Bruins fan or if you're an Aztecs fan or if you're a Hawkeyes fan, like you are going to put them further in the the tournament than you maybe should. It it just skews the way you look at things. And so, Danny, he's got it figured out. The rest of us But you see, I didn't do that last year with UCLA. So I Well, that screwed you, though. But it did, but I'm thinking to myself. (laughs) Steve needed to be more of a fan. What's more important to me, doing well in my brackets or having UCLA make a deep run in the tournament? I mean, Ultimately, 
I didn't care about my brackets because the Bruins came out of nowhere to you know get to the Final Four. So it's a little different this year. I mean, UCLA, depending on what they do tonight, at worst they're going to be a four seed. They could be even better than that if they beat Arizona. I don't want to make big predictions for them because every t- you know my you know my prognostication skills are the worst. I mean, it's just unbelievable. I I, I go one way, it goes the other way, just about every time. I don't want to do that to UCLA. I feel mean, yeah. like uh, maybe a second round loss. Yeah. Oh yeah, they go down. <laughs> They're going down. You're, down. you're one of those people who like reverse I mean, like, psychology type of thing. Yeah. 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 So so it's uh it's a lose and a win. Yeah. So you can. But what about? I don't know. What about setting? No, that's a lose lose. Yeah. That is a, yeah, that's probably the right way to do yeah, it. I You're mean, probably doing it the right I, way. I'm coming off a legendary football season. You know, Are when you, you when really? you miss Oh my gosh. On average, two out of three games for an entire NFL season? I've never watched a better get mushed on a more consistent basis than Steve Hartman. Every every single bet you placed during the NFL season. It was unreal. It was I you turned it's gold a coin into flip. lead. Yeah, I mean it's a coin flip. It's either one or the other, and uh, all NFL season long, it was absolutely, <laughs> it was absolutely the worst. All right, I'm so, still remembering our Monday reviews, you know, yeah. and we we would we bet the Monday night football. I'd be like, oh, I need the, I need the double bonus whammy here, and we come in on Tuesday. You'd be so depressed. Yeah, I just, I it, by the way, you know, for those people that are going to be upset tomorrow when you got one of those bubble schools and you miss out. You know, and you're relegated to the NIT. Do not complain. I mean, first of all, that's the one thing about these conference tournaments, right? Yeah. Every school just about is in a conference tournament, meaning you've got a shot. Because if you win your conference tournament, you get an automatic bid. Yep. There's no reason to expand the NCAA tournament. The expansion of the tournament is the conference tournaments. You go into a conference tournament, you've had a bad season. If you get on a miracle run, guess what? And it happens. Happens every year. You get some conference champion that was like a 500 team. Where they come from? Oregon State. Look at Oregon State. They get all the way to the Elite Eight. Last year, what, they won the three games this year? <laughs> I think they've won three games It's unbelievable. Year. They were in the Elite Eight last year, and they won three games this year. It's part of the reason why I love college sports also oh, is because man. you've got you've to earn it every year because you got this rotating crop of players. Mm. And if you're not concentrating on what's next, then you're, <laughs> boy, oh boy, you're in trouble. All right, so we're going to be here tomorrow. We're going to be doing it again. We'll be talking about all the games and how it shakes out tonight and into tomorrow. By tomorrow this time, we're going to have a pretty, well, tomorrow this time, we're going to have a field ready. Oh, 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 yeah. That's right. We'll have the field all set for the NCAA tournament. I'm already thinking about that first day of the tournament and the good eats you're going to have for me on St. Patrick's Day. That's yeah. what I'm thinking about oh, yeah. right We're now. We're going to get cooked. Corn, beef, Ooh. and cabbage. Keep it here on Fox Sports Radio.